What's good, everybody? What's good? Welcome back to week two of Convos for the Culture. I have a jam-packed show for y'all today, so we're going to get right into it. Um, I got two guests today. I have an amazing uh, content creator. She's going to be coming on a little bit later. You're going to love her story. Her name is Top Jones, so that's going to be a little bit later in the show. But listen, I could not do this show without... Um, <laughs> I couldn't do this show this week without doing the Grammys recap, because it was, as we know, this weekend uh, was the Grammys. The Grammys was, and it was a wonderful evening. And then, well, it was a wonderful evening until it wasn't a wonderful evening, but I'll get into that. I have a very special guest on the show today, somebody who I found on Clubhouse. Um, amazing, 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 um, brilliant mind, super talented. I will let him go ahead and just tell you all who he is, what it is that he does. But Cultureholics, I would like to introduce John Pierre to the show. John Pierre, how are you doing today? I am doing well. It was a jam-packed week, a beautiful week. I had a wonderful time during Grammy week this year. It's the first time in three years that things have mm. been sort of back to normal. So it was like a reunion, a lot of new faces, a lot of uh, old favorites, a lot of the events that haven't been going on came back. And so definitely exhausted, but feeling great. I was going to say, how much sleep did you get or how much sleep didn't you get? Little to none. There's not really time to sleep, um, especially the final two days. Um, mm -hmm. Prior to that, I'm a person who loves sleep because I think having a clear mind is a really important thing for just having a productive day. But when you're out here, it's really just, you're on the go because there are so many events. There are so many people to celebrate. I mean, people work hard all year round. And so this is the time where the industry can get together and celebrate artistic achievement and celebrate all the hard work that people do. And so, you know, it's, it's worth it. It's definitely worth getting little to no sleep. I feel it, I feel that. So let's get right into the show, okay? Um, what were some of your favorite performances of the night? Wow, that's a great question. I think the hip hop tribute just stands out because of the depth and the breadth of the talent that they had on. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had Salt and Pepper to Queen Latifah to Glorilla, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I thought that that was really special. Busta absolutely had the entire arena going crazy when he did the, his verse from Look At Me Now. Um, the whole entire thing, really. And I, I like that they had so many styles of hip hop. And it was like going down a memory lane of how much that genre has been able to accomplish. So that absolutely stood out for me. Yeah, I love that performance. Um, I will say, um, and as somebody, so I, I was born in 86. So my, I, you know, my, a lot of my hip hop love is in those like 2000s, 2010s era. And I will say that they kind of left a lot of people off from that era, unfortunately, which I know they can't put everybody in uh, for the time that they were given, but it kind of would have been cool to see like, you know, your Ludacris's because like Ludacris did have such a huge impact on hip hop. Um, and then being from Chicago, uh, it would have been nice to see some people from Chicago, but you know, the person who makes sense, we know 
he has his issues in, in, in Kanye West. That's why we didn't see him. Um, but yeah, overall, I really love that. Um, I wish that we would have had more female representation. But once again, there's things that come with that because, I mean, Nikki, right? But I don't think you can really do a true hip hop tribute without Nicki Minaj because there would be no a lot of people without her. And then we didn't even have Kim in that, but it's okay. Not complaining. Um, for the Grammys, I thought they did a great job. I've never seen, at least as long as, as I've been watching the Grammys, to my recollection, I don't think I've seen anything like that before. So it was dope. It was definitely giving BET awards. So it was funny. BET tweeted out um, if you thought that was um, if you thought that was great just stay tuned. So I'm interested in seeing what BET does for their uh, 50th anniversary tribute later on this year. Yeah, and if you remember LL Cool J, prior to that performance happening, he gave a disclaimer that mm -hmm. you can't have everybody, so don't get mad. I'm just letting you know in advance. We right. have a select group, but we know there are so many more artists who represent the history of hip hop. Um, mm -hmm. So I thought it was a nice balance um, they use the time well, because of course you don't have unlimited time. And so these mm -hmm. are all things that production has to consider the limited time, um, the limited availability of who can actually take part. And then the other thing I like to let people know is Grammy week isn't just the awards. And so you had the black music collective, uh, sort of wing of the recording Academy, that black music collective had a Grammy honors concert and ceremony where you had Missy Elliott and you had uh, Dr. Dre and you had Lil Wayne and a host of artists who were celebrated in their own event. You know, that whole entire event was dedicated to honoring hip hop's anniversary. And then you had the Grammy House. The Grammy House was a venue that they converted. It's called the Bourbon Room. And they converted it into this museum just full of artwork celebrating the history of hip hop. And it was really cool. If you look on my Twitter, I posted a, a gallery of some of those images and on my Instagram as well. So it's all around been a celebration of hip hop this entire uh, week, even at the official Grammy after party on my Grammy highlights on my Instagram, you can see that Flo Rida brought out Flavor Flav, right? And so mm -hmm. it was nice to see throughout the week, hip hop being celebrated by the Grammys. Yeah, I love that. That's that's amazing. Um, so you're well. So what is it? Well, what do you do in the industry? Because a lot of people, um, just don't get to be able to be in these rooms. Yeah, well, I I have a music company called Peer Entertainment. I also do creative direction, and so I've just been involved behind the scenes with artists since mm -hmm. I was a teenager, and I've been a part of the Recording Academy for over ten years. You know, I started actually really in college. So okay. I as a teenager, at seven. But you're a you're a voting member. I'm a prof professional member, so okay. there are voting members who are the creatives. So think people who write songs, produce okay. songs, engineer in the studio, people who play instruments, people who sing, people who rap. Then you have the professionals who are the attorneys, entertainment attorneys, business managers, folks like myself who are art artist managers, A and R. So you have a combination of mm -hmm professionals and voting members, I fall on the professional side. Okay. 
I love that. I love that. All right, so we're going to get into it, all right? Um, here uh, on Combos for the Culture, uh, <laughs> we love, 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 love. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Higher Learning Podcast with Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay, right? So yesterday, they dropped their episode, and I'm going to play something for you, and then I'm going to get your thoughts on it, because it really uh, is going to touch on what most people here who listen to the podcast want to hear about and want to talk about. So I'm going to play that for you real quick. This is Rachel Lindsay and Van Lathan on the Higher Learning Podcast. Renaissance did not win album of the year. And it should not have. The beehive makes me sick. You guys are insatiable. You cannot be pleased. You're never satisfied. This woman, this woman, man, shut up. This woman made history last night. She won. Beyonce made history last night. Stop. She made history. It's a huge milestone. Her speech was beautiful. She was emotional. She was humble. She was so appreciative of this accolade of, you know, like where she she stands in the test of time when it comes to her her artistry. This was a huge night. Beehive, chill out. This woman just made history. I don't understand why we're upset over her not getting album of the year. How many Grammys did she win last night? Three? Three. Yes. Three out of the four. Guys, Renaissance was not the album of the year, and you know it. All right, so that was very... Uh, <laughs> that was strong words from Rachel Lee Lindsay. Um, so I'm going to say something that I've never said on the podcast before. I've never said this to anybody before um, because I didn't think I was. Now, I've always loved Beyonce. Well, I've always respected Beyonce, but she's not somebody who I really connected with on a deep, deep level up until renaissance to me renaissance was just something just amazing a once in a lifetime experience um especially for those of us in the lgbtq community um so what i'm saying that i've never said before is i think i'm a member of the beehive um officially right because what this project this album did to me it made me just fully immerse myself into it right so i said this a while back i said that this is the one. This is the album that's going to get album of the year. It crossed different genres. It was just, it has such deep meaning, such cultural impact, so much significance. And I was for sure, I was, I really thought that she was going to get album of the year. Um, what was it like inside of that room when they went ahead and said that uh, Harry Styles won for Harry's house? Were you surprised? Um, talk me through that. and. Why didn't Beyonce get album of the year? Because I'm just as shocked as a lot of people are. It's a great question. So I'll start by answering your second question, which is what was it like in the room? It sucked the air out of the room, mm -hmm. for sure. It sucked the air out of the room. So that's my reaction to that. In terms of the clip that you played, I heard her say, she didn't feel that it should win, but I didn't hear her make a case for why anyone else should have won. What mm. is the case for why Harry Styles won? I would like to know that. In terms of why Beyonce didn't win, I had several conversations about this in the arena, mm -hmm. in the lobby, outside with folks 
who work with Beyonce, with folks who wanted Beyonce to win, with folks who are just as confused as you. <laughs> and what I've concluded is that you've got to look at this like politics. Mm. When you have a presidential race or any race in politics, there are constituencies which are made up of voters. And the constituencies that are the most engaged are the ones who are gonna turn out. And those are the ones who are going to ultimately have an impact on how that election result comes out. And so you have a body that's called the Recording Academy that's made up of voters. And there are different constituencies. One of those constituencies is called the Producers and Engineers Wing. The Producers and Engineers Wing is made up of folks who create sound. The people who are in the studios, who are engineering, who are recording musicians, who are miking instruments. And it's largely a boys club. It is, it's a boys club. And they have very swanky events and I have a great deal of respect for them. I've attended their events and it's made up of many talented black creators as well. But the overwhelming voice I think is not necessarily representative of the entire community. And so I spent years in the membership committee of the Recording Academy Philadelphia chapter. I'm now part of the LA chapter, but one of my duties was to recruit, to have my eyes and ears on the ground of who are the upcoming artists so we can get them in as voting members. So just like you have to do get out the vote in politics, just as you have to do outreach, community organizing, that's what I was doing. And so there's a lot more work to do to make sure that the body that's voting is representing the body that is actually creating and influence, influencing the culture. And so right now we have a gap between those two things, the voting body and mm -hmm. the body influencing the culture. The most vocal sector, the ones who are actually members and then not just members, but actually casting their ballots seem to prefer Harry Styles. Now, another thing that I'll say is when you look at the songwriter of the year category, I think that this is also very telling in terms of the thinking of the voters. The songwriter of the year category is a brand new category at the Grammys. We've never had that before. We recognize producers, right, yeah. for producer of the year. We've never recognized songwriters, right, for songwriter of the year. You had two major writers in that category who contributed to Renaissance. You had The Dream. Who should have won? Well, We'll get to that. <laughs> and you had Nyjah, right? Charles, uh -huh. who's also a talented artist, by the way, as is the dream. And I got a chance to connect with both of them. Okay. Both of them during this week. Now, many people, many prognosticators believe that one of those folks should have won, right? Uh -huh. And I think that would have absolutely made sense when you looked at the body of work they presented and you looked at the fact that they contributed significantly to one of the top albums of the year. Renaissance. Who won Songwriter of the Year? It was Tobias Jesso Jr. And who did he work with in the past year? Harry Styles. And so I think what this tells me is that the body of voters who are contributing the most weight to the outcome have a certain perspective on what needs to be rewarded by the Grammys. And I think that they like people who write with a small group of writers. Mm. Beyonce is a woman who 
keeps her pulse on what's current by mm -hmm. involving many young and diverse upcoming talents. And I met about six of them, about six of the writers from Renaissance I met this during this week. And these are people who no one knows their names yet. And so when you put all these elements together, who's voting? What kind of music do they prefer? Are they part of the club? Are they not part of the club? Who wrote on Renaissance? Do we know their names? All these things in combination, I mm -hmm. think, led to this end result. What's good, everybody? What's good? I hope you're enjoying the show. Check it out. We are running a campaign right now where we are asking 200 people to donate $10. That's just 200 people to donate just $10. That's a, that's a cup at Starbucks. That's, I don't know, it's something, right? But check it out. The reason why we're doing this is because we got some big things planned for this season. We're trying to get into a new studio. We're trying to get some new lighting, some new sound equipment, bring in a producer, and we need your help to do that. So if you rock with the show, if you rock with our content, just go ahead and, you know, donate $10. Now, how do you donate? I'm glad you asked. And even if you didn't, I'm going to tell you anyways. Cash app us at Combos FTC. We are on PayPal as well. PayPal.me slash combos for the culture and we are also on buy me a coffee buymeacoffee.com slash combos for the culture all right you can do that or you can just go to www.combosftc.com and make your donation that way so check it out we need your help ten dollars from 200 people we're trying to reach this goal by our mid-season break and i believe that we can do it okay so if you rock with the content if you like what we're doing if you like what we talk about go ahead and make that happen right now now back to the conversation I'm gonna read some names for you. And thank you so much for that. Uh, Culture Holics, I hope you guys are enjoying this conversation. Make sure that you go ahead and you leave a rating and a review on this uh, episode and just let us know what you're thinking about the episode, all right? All right, so there's, th there's, there's a couple of names that I wanna read to you, okay? Natalie Cole, <clears throat> Whitney Houston, and Lauren Hill. Natalie Cole, Whitney Houston, and Lauren Hill are the only three Black women to ever win Album of the Year. I'm going to read five more names for you. Lizzo, Whitney Houston, Tina Turner, Natalie Cole, and Roberta Flack. Lizzo, Whitney Houston, Tina Turner, Natalie Cole, and Roberta Flack are the only Black women to ever win record of the year in the 65, I want to say, years that the Grammys have been going on. So I want to have a discussion about representation uh, in the Grammys because it seems to me as a viewer who've been watching for years that we get nominated for all of the other awards except the top awards. Well, not nominated, but awarded all of the other awards except for the top awards. And I kind of related to what we saw, um, really what we saw this year with Beyonce. It reminds me of what they did, um, I want to say two years ago at the Oscars when everybody thought that uh, the late, great Chadwick Boseman was going to win Best Actor for his performance in Miss Randy's Black Bottom. And they constructed the show as such. They moved all the categories around as such. They made uh, that <laughs> They made that the last award of the night. 
and only to give it to Anthony Hopkins, who didn't even show up to the awards. And just like you mentioned that when they announced Harry Styles, uh, it sucked the air out of the room. It sucked the air out of the room that night as well. So my question for you is, why is there such a disconnect when it comes to um, awarding Black people and black, you know, black men have won a little bit more, but not that much more because you have repeat winners like uh, Herbie Hancock and Stevie Wonder. But why is it that um, black black men and women don't get the big four awards like their white counterparts? Well, I think that they they do. So, for example, Beyonce won Song of the Year, right? She won Song of the Year for single ladies. And so I think that you have moments in time where you see categories like that, uh, mm -hmm. even best new artists that has gone to black artists on a number of occasions this year is one of those occasions where you had Samara Joy, um, but you also had many others, um, including mm -hmm. Lauren Hill, right? Including John Legend, including Alicia Keys. And so I think that you have Esperanza Spalding. So the big four has had its moments. I okay. think that you have particular areas which are like album of the year where there hasn't had, there, ha there, there hasn't been as many of those moments. And mm -hmm. I think it's because that is seen as the coveted prize. And so mm -hmm. you don't have a body, a voting body who's recognizing that black women are always at the forefront of culture and moving culture because if Adele is gonna win album of the year twice, you have to sit down and acknowledge the fact that she's actually making black music. <laughs> what Adele did on 21, what Adele did on 25, is called Motown. That's what that was. Mm -hmm. And so if you wanna ask the question, is black music winning album of the year? Absolutely, on mm. many occasions but are they black faces? They mm. haven't been black faces. And so this goes to the systemic issue that what's white is right, you know? And people tend to like our art, but they don't necessarily like it coming from us. Wow. That is a, <laughs> that is a beautiful answer. Um, and that makes, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I see it all the time within music. Um, and that's no shade to them because I like some of the artists, right? But when you have people like Bruno, is Bruno Mars doing anything different than a lot of black artists out here? Is Adele doing anything different than a lot of black artists out no. here? What what Bruno Mars did, listen to 24 Karat Magic and listen to his speech. He's very well aware that what he's doing is Teddy Riley, who's mm -hmm. one of my biggest influences. What he's doing is Guy, Bobby Brown, TLC. Mm -hmm. It had already been done. Dude, and so I think it goes back to that question of why do they not want it coming from us? And I think a part of it is that it's a novelty. Um, it's a novelty, blue-eyed soul. You know, it's a novelty to put our sound on as nostalgia. But while it's happening, while we're making it, they're gonna be slow to acknowledge it. But decades later or years later, when someone else does it, it's like, oh, what a nice throwback to classic song stylings. Yeah, but that's Motown stylings. <laughs> you know what I mean? What mm -hmm. a throwback to a time in the 90s of New Jack Swing in the late 80s. Yeah, but why wasn't Bobby Brown getting record of the year back then? Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So I think 
that's really the systemic issue. But in terms of reform, you have a president or, or a, a, a head at the Recording Academy named Harvey Mason Jr. who has made changes, right? He's made changes, he's implemented, I think, initiatives to get the ball rolling on diversifying the membership. And so that's the first step. But sometimes when you make changes, and I'm talking about recently, because he's only been on um, for a short period of time in a permanent position. And so I think it can take time to realize <clears throat> results from those changes. And so we have to wait and see. But I think even Jay-Z spoke to this. They're missing the moment over and over again they're missing the moment he did an interview in regards to album of the year this year and he he said himself that he felt that renaissance deserved album of the year and mm -hmm. that when beyonce lost to beck they missed the moment and so i think that the longer it takes to have something like this actually come to fruition in the album of the year and to be clear it doesn't have to be beyonce obviously she's the one who i think is at the forefront of culture and mm -hmm. making concept albums and keeping the album alive in many ways. So I think certainly she's deserved it, but I think that others also deserve it. I think that Special by Lizzo was an amazing project and I that thing is on repeat. That's a workout album, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, and it's very well produced, very well crafted. Um, and, and her so, performance mm -hmm. um, with members of uh, Sunday Service, that performance was amazing. Yeah, I mean, the arena was going crazy over her because her energy is just so palpable. But I, I think that one of the reasons why someone like Lizzo is gonna be at the forefront of making history first woman since Whitney Houston to win record of the year is because mm -hmm. you gotta ask yourself, who is she collaborating with? How mm -hmm. many people is she collaborating with? You know, how do they receive her style of music, you know, mm. with that disco influence. Disco is not the same as house. Disco mm. was black music, right? Disco absolutely is black music. And because it was black, that was at the forefront of the backlash that disco experienced. But today it's considered this sort of highbrow art form when you're throwing back to disco. And people like Nile Rogers, who's a legend, Got a chance to meet him as well. You know, they're celebrated, right? Donna Summer, these people are celebrated now. They're celebrated now. But House, let's really talk about it, which was a major influence on Renaissance. Ballroom, yeah. which was a major influence on Renaissance. These are still considered subcultures that haven't reached the level of high art. And so these voters, the ones who are not receiving Renaissance the way that the public at large has, there's a dichotomy there between what's considered high art and what's considered lowbrow. And so mm -hmm. I think that they haven't received Break My Soul in the same way that they've received It's About Damn Time for that reason. You know, okay. so you can be doing black music and it can be perceived in two completely different ways, depending on who's attached to it and what's attached to it. It goes that deep. Okay, that makes sense. Um... Mm, I like that. I like that. So what would you say to the people um, 
who are saying that it's time to boycott the Grammys, that we shouldn't watch the Grammys anymore. Um, I do know there was a lot of, a large uh, contingent of people, especially black people who were only watching the Grammys because of Beyonce, who were only watching the Grammys because they wanted to see the BET, hip, uh, the BET, I mean, not the BET, I'm sorry. They wanted to see the uh, 50th anniversary uh, hip hop tribute. What would you say to those people who said that they're opting out of the Grammys for the foreseeable future. I wouldn't say that, you know, that's necessarily the response that I promote. Okay. Um, because this is a very unique award show. One of the reasons why I love the Grammys and one of the reasons why I think it will always stand out despite any criticisms people have for it is that they're always actually evolving. The Grammys implement changes in response to what the community is talking about. And I already mentioned Songwriter of the Year is one example. They were never acknowledged. Finally, after years of advocacy, you see them being acknowledged. They added an entire new category in the non-classical realm. That's really special. Um, they got rid of select committees in most of the categories, which were the committees that would uh, whittle down the nominees from the, nomina the nominations or the list that they came up with based on the votes. So you got rid of that after people like The Weeknd spoke out and Drake spoke out. And so not many other award shows and music do that. And also, and this is the most important thing that's unique about the Grammys, is based on merit. It's not based on popularity. It's not based on metrics. It's not based on sales. It's not based on votes from the general public. It's from the music community and they vote based on quality quality and i think that's why people like samara joy can excel on a night like this and so that remains i think something that we have to cherish about this award show um and people care the artists themselves actually care because when even the ones who say they don't well i don't think anyone says that they don't care i think what they say is that they're opting out because they don't think that there's anything they can do to get the acknowledgement they deserve, but they they mm -hmm. actually really care. So when Nicki Minaj criticizes the Grammys, as she has criticized them over and over for legitimate reasons, but she still submitted. Mm. She still submitted because she wanted Super Freaky Girl in consideration. Now right. their response, the response to Nicki submitting, I have questions. I have questions about why Super Freaky Girl wasn't rap but it was pop. Now, I don't have a problem with it being pop. That's cool. Right. But then Lotto should have been put into pop as well. She was put into melodic rap. And Why? I think a lot of people misunderstand. Well, I think it's sometimes the way Nikki approaches it, which I'm never, I'm not in the business of policing um, Black women and how they air out their grievances. But I think a lot was missed. They thought that she was just hating on Lotto. And I didn't take it as that. And I'm not, I'm not a Nikki fan at all. But I respect Nikki. I realize the impact that she's had on hip hop, um, especially when it comes to female rappers. And um, yeah, I think a lot of people miss the fact that she was like, if you're going to put Lotto in this category, then I should be in this category as well, because it's the same. It's the same style of songs. And if I'm not if I'm not um, incorrect, doesn't it have the same producer? Right, but I think there's a little more nuance to it. So Nikki submitted herself 
for rap performance, or rather she was submitted, right? Her team for rap performance. Lotto was submitted for melodic rap, okay. which is a different set of criteria. And so it's not that they were submitted to the same category and they singled out Nicki Minaj. That's not what happened. Nicki Minaj and Lotto were never submitted for the same category. So I think that's an important fact. Okay. But what I'm saying is, if they were gonna look at the melodic rap, I think they should have then also considered the fact that maybe Big Energy is pop too. Or just say Big Energy is melodic rap and yes, Super Freaky Girl is rap. I think it's a, a double-edged sword because in a way I think that rap should be allowed to be pop. Rappers shouldn't just be stuck in rap. So I think that she certainly should have been allowed to be pop. But we have to ask ourselves, was Super Freaky Girl really ever going to compete with mm. As It Was? Was it going to ever really compete with Easy On Me? I don't think so. No. I don't, I don't, I don't see this body ever doing that. And so based on that, they should have allowed her to stay in rap. I do. I think they should have allowed her to stay in rap because we should defer to where the person puts themselves. I mm -hmm. think that should be our first. We should, if that's what you say you are, I'm going to defer to that unless it's an egregious error. Mm -hmm. If it's clear that you don't belong in a category, then the executive decisions can be made or the decision, I won't call it an executive decision. The decision can be made to move you. So that that's my thought on that. But I say all that to say that artists do care. And so that is what separates the Grammys from other award shows. I got a couple more questions and then we're gonna get out of here and we're gonna uh, go to break and get ready for our new, uh, well, our next segment, right? Um, okay, let's do this. So one thing that a lot of people had an issue with, well, not even a lot of people had an issue with, Chris Brown. Let's talk about Chris Brown, right? Um, and this goes into the category, uh, what category people go in, because there's like R&B, there's um, like your traditional R&B, there's like different sectors, right? Um, Chris Brown was upset because he lost out to Robert Glasper. Uh, he had made this tweet like, who the F is Robert? Who the F is this guy? Anybody who knows music and really studies music knows Robert Glasper is a beast who's worked with some of the greats, her, uh, Erica Badu, uh, Jasmine Sullivan, the list goes, Brandy, the list goes on and on and on and on, right? Um, so Chris Brown, after much backlash, Chris Brown went out and he messaged him. He said, congratulations, my brother. I would like to apologize if you took offense to my reaction at the Grammys. It came off really rude and mean. He said that Glasper was not his intended target. Instead, his anger was was toward the Recording Academy. After doing my research, I actually think you're a basin. The organization isn't doing us Blacks our due diligence. You and I should never be in the same category. Two different types of vibes and genres. So from one Black man to another, congratulations. Hope you are able to feed your family for life, my G. Uh, right, two sides. <laughs> One, that's not an apology. Anytime, I just want the listeners to know and take this on in your everyday life. This is a life legend, uh, lesson. Anytime you say to someone, I'm sorry if you were offended, I'm sorry if you feel like I wronged you, that's not an apology. All right. So, 
so let me start here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start with the PR portion because okay. I'm somewhat of a fixer, you know. Mm -hmm. Definitely have experience in damage control and <laughs> definitely have experience with cleaning up snafus like this. I think that it was the right thing to do to apologize. Okay. So I, I want to not acknowledge that. How the apology is ex expressed certainly is up for critique, whether that was the right way to do it mm -hmm. or not. But he he posted what he would say as an apology. I think that's good. What was interesting about that statement is that he said, after doing my research, you're actually amazing. In other words, you ask the question, who is this? With the assumption that no one knows this person and that this is someone who came out of the blue. Robert Glasper has won Grammys at every single Grammy ceremony for the past three years. Thanks. And he won two other times, so he has five Grammys. This is a Grammy darling. We would put him in the Grammy darling category. Same thing with someone like P.J. Morton. Mm -hmm. If you want to be in the mix with the Grammys and you want serious consideration when you drop your projects, how can you not actually keep up with who's winning? Mm. How can you not actually go back and listen and say, what are they acknowledging? Who am I competing with this year? I think that you can't actually be really in the mix if you're not campaigning and if you're not actually keeping up with what's happening. So mm -hmm. I think that that's something for him to consider going forward. Every year you should be looking at who won an R&B and going back and listening. You should be looking at who's nominated. Oh, I've never seen this name. Put it in the Google machine, you know, and figure out who they're working with. And, and that so takes two seconds. I did that with Samara Joy um, when mm -hmm. she won Best New Artist. I didn't know who she was. And then I immediately, I'm like, what? Who's this young black sister? I went to Google, Googled her, went to my Apple Music, immediately downloaded her music. It, Easy. Not that Easy. hard. Easy. Now, here's what I'll say I agree with him on. He shouldn't have been in the same category mm. as Black Radio 3. I think that Black Radio 3 is the name of Robert Glasper's album, that one, best R&B album. Robert Glasper is not usually in the R&B category. And so I was a bit confused by that. He's usually in like progressive R&B. The, the name of the category has evolved a bit. So like it used to be urban alternative for performances, for songs. Um, there was a progressive R&B category. And I think that he definitely belongs there. And he's won that before. He's won the progressive R&B category before. So I don't know why he was put into R&B. Um, but you also saw the same thing happen with Jasmine Sullivan, where Jasmine Sullivan had a beautiful jazz song, right, that she did on Adam Blackstone's first album, his debut album. Um, Adam Blackstone is a very well-known music, uh, music supervisor um, and a musician. He did his first album, Jasmine Sullivan did a song. It's a jazz song, but yet it was an R&B performance. So you see those things happen sometimes. And so I agree with him. But I think people need to take a page from Beyonce <laughs> and <laughs> the graciousness, take mm -hmm. a lesson about the graciousness mm -hmm. in which she's conducted herself because this is the artist with the most Grammy. So if you want a Grammy, wouldn't you want to look at the person who's done it the best? Mm -hmm. 
and rip a page from that notebook. And Beyonce's still young. She has plenty of opportunities to still create and produce and get album of the year again. Because remember, there's two more chapters of Renaissance still to come. True. And that Boom. is the that's the one thing that because part of me, it was like, oh my God, this is this is it. Not saying she's gonna stop music, but I felt like this was the one that she had to get. But like you just said, I do take hope in knowing that um there are two more chapters coming, whatever they may be. Last question. As a church boy, I grew up in church and everything, so I always will love, you know, church music and church roots and influences. Um, how dope was it being in a room and seeing so much influence? Uh, we saw Jason White in Sunday service, um, the samples. We saw Mav Maverick City um, be able to share that stage. Um, how dope was that scene that um, they were a they were able to be a part of the show? And even if it wasn't them singing, you know, their own music or singing something that's faith based, they were still they had such a heavy presence. Um, during that show, like Lizzo took us to church, uh, Mary J. Blige took us to church, um, Chandler Moore and Naomi Rain and the rest of Sunday Service Collective uh, during the tribute to uh, uh, the memoriam. Like, how dope was seeing them up there performing? So I was in the premiere ceremony, which is the award show that takes place before the award show you see on TV. Mm -hmm. And so I got to actually see Maverick City Music take home all those awards. They tied Beyonce. Four, right? Yeah, they tied Beyonce for most wins at the Grammys. And that's a major headline. And you did see gospel making appearances on those performances like you mentioned. And so I think it was a great night for gospel music. And I'm really happy for Maverick City Music. They gave a really nice speech up there it's overwhelming to win four back to back to back the way that they did. Um, yeah. I think it's deserved. But what I'll answer your question with is this. What's at the root of every single one of the genres that's honored in the pop non-classical categories at the Grammys is gospel. And mm -hmm. so I think at the end of the day, it made complete sense that we saw it with mm -hmm. the influence that it had at the award show and I think that at the end of the day, black music comes from a, a place of pain in this country. Um, whether you talk about blues, whether you talk about jazz, and that's always gonna inform what we see in the mainstream. And so I'm hoping that in the future, they'll do what the BT Awards used to do quite a bit, which is, which is acknowledge some of that gospel talent on the main stage. Yes, I would definitely like to see that. that. I would love to see that. And also shout out to the to the GOAT, in my opinion, the GOAT of gospel, uh, Kirk Franklin, who was a part of that Maverick City project. Kingdom yeah, he Book. won. He yeah. won one of the awards with them, yeah. Amazing, amazing. Well, uh, where can the people find you? Uh, what are some things that, how can people get plugged in with you and see what it is that you do? Because you have a lot of pop culture uh, conversations and we, I would love to plug my audience in with you. Sure. So my podcast is called The Popular Opinion. You can go to the new website, which is thepopularopinion.com. And you can also follow me on social media, Mr. Repertoire. So M-R underscore R-E-P-E-R-T-O-I-R-E. -E -E. Hit me up anytime. 
Awesome, awesome. Well, I want to thank you, uh, the Culture Holics. Want to thank you for uh, stopping by uh, and just talking with us today, doing this Grammy recap. We definitely want to have you on again. Um, maybe after the Oscars, we can bring for you sure. back. For sure. Yeah, let's yes. do that. Maybe after the and Oscars, I'll have my we'll camera be celebrating ready. Angela Bassett. Fingers I have my crossed. camera ready because I, I didn't know you were a YouTuber. So, you yeah. know, I got to have my high top straight. It can't be all crooked. So <laughs> awesome. definitely we'll be back. Awesome. Well, I thank you. The audience thanks you. And when we uh, get back from this break, y'all, we are going to be talking to Top Jones. You are listening to Combos for the Culture. We will be back after this. What's up, everybody? What's up? Hope that you enjoyed that little uh, advertisement we just played, all right? Uh, this is season two of Combos for the Culture. Uh, we premiered last week. Super excited about uh, what we're going to be doing. Um, but yeah, we do need your help. So we're asking 200 of y'all to donate $10 to uh, the show so we can continue to grow and do some really big things with the show. Um, if you look at the notes, um, yeah, if you go, go ahead and look at the show notes and everything, whether you're listening on Spotify, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, you can figure out where to donate at. I'm super excited about this next guest, all right? Uh, she is a creative lifestyle um, she is a creative lifestylist. Uh, she loves helping people by identifying their strengths, motivating them to move past their fears, and walking them through their own unique creative process. Tot has channeled her genuine love for people into a lifestyle of helping others help themselves. Tot brings her joy and wisdom into any situation she encounters. As an influencer, wardrobe stylist, author, and social media strategist, Tot understands that image and presentation matters uh she is a host of a series of workshops entitled talk talks uh these workshops are designed to discuss various topics from fashion to influences influence leaving women empowered with the tools and resources necessarily to fearlessly pursue their goals uh tot gave birth to a miracle and is waiting is i'm sorry tot recently gave birth <laughs> to a miracle and is enjoying being the new mommy to dynamic Dylan. As a 2016 Ciroc Women of Empowerment Award recipient, Tot's goal is to leave women feeling empowered, focused, and ready to level up. All right, Michael, I'm gonna introduce y'all to Tot Jones <laughs> in a minute, but I also want to let you know, she has worked with brands such as Mac Cosmetics, AT&T, Nike, Shane, Chicago Public Schools, Heartland Alliance, Fashion Nova, just to name a few. Combos for the Culture, welcome Tot Jones to the show. How are you doing today? I am doing amazing. First of all, that was a lot. Thank you for, I didn't even think you would cover all of that, but I just like to share it when you asked me for some info about me. I'm like, you know what? Here, here's, here's everything, but thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm doing incredible. I'm honored to be here. I think I share with you my excitement to be here. I love, um, not only, I, you know, when people say I love what you're doing, but I love how you're pushing the needle forward. So I'm, I'm excited, I'm honored, and, um, and I'm ready to rock and roll. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. So we're going to get right into it. One thing that I do with all of my guests before we start, we do an icebreaker, right? Um, Let's go. The people love it. It's called Black Card Revoked, okay? So okay. Black Card Revoked, I ask you all a series, well, I ask you 
uh, what is it that will get your black card revoked? We have lots of different answers. Uh, one of my um, guests came on last season, and she said that she puts ketchup on uh, her fried chicken. I had another guest who's never seen the movie <laughs> Friday. I had another guest who, uh, what are some other ones? We've had a lot of different ones, right? Okay. Um, so, for the listeners, hmm. what is it that we get Todd Jones's black card revoked? I do not eat uh, candy yams or like sweet potatoes or anything. I'll eat sweet potato fries, which is definitely <laughs> leaning toward our Caucasian brothers and sisters, right? Okay. But I don't need the sugarly. I don't really like sweet food that much. Okay. If that makes sense. I like, I don't like. Um, and if I do, I like my desserts. So don't get me wrong. I love chocolate desserts, but I don't need like sweet potatoes next to greens. Oh, I do. So yeah, that's just. And Ooh. over the years at holiday gatherings, I've all you know within my family, my culture, people are like my granny, like what? <laughs> what's um, wrong with you? <laughs> Yeah, what's wrong with you? I really did not start eating um, dressing until an adult, and I don't eat a lot of dressing, cornbread. I started eating that okay. as an adult. So dressing yeah. is definitely a required because it's a is a certain texture of the dressing that if it's not made yeah. right, you can have it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, do you eat sweet potato pie. I do eat sweet potato pie. Again, okay. I like sweets as my dessert. Okay. But sweet, sweeter foods, or some people, you know, some people put like a little bit of sugar in their spaghetti or sugar in their grits. I don't like sweet. Like my main course, I want it savory. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, no sweet food. Sweet desserts. Sweets are for desserts. Maybe pancakes and waffles, but okay, I'm going too deep. But yeah, that's it. So, when you <laughs> eat grit, do you eat grits? I eat grits. Salt and pepper. Salt, pepper, and a little bit of butter, me, please. No sugar. None whatsoever. I don't even understand why the sugar would be on the table when you're eating grits. Sugar goes in desserts. Agreed. 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 Now, I won't lie. When I was a kid, I ate sugar on my grits. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, like, when I became an adult and knew better, yeah. I ate what you knew salt, better? pepper, butter, maybe some shrimp, you know. Um, I don't eat shrimp either. You don't like shrimp? Uh, but that, no, but I know people love shrimp and grits. It's shrimp and grits is amazing. Yeah, my mom loves it. Um, shout out to Jamie Gilmore, a season one uh, guest who um, best shrimp and grits in Chicago. Hands yes, down. her food is so her food is good. Yeah, so good. We love Lizzie J's Cafe here. All right, yeah. all right. Let's get into it. All right, there's so many questions that I want to um, ask you. Um, okay. First off, you know, like I said, you're an author, you're a speaker, you're a blogger, you're an influencer, you're a style consultant. Um, how did you get into this space and when did you get into this space? Because um, I've watched you for a couple of years now. And to me, you were always doing it. You was always that girl. But now it's just like you. really out here just killing it. So how did you get into this? Great question. Um, so I started in 2015 um, mm -hmm. and I was at the time. I was married and I was with a person who was, a, my ex-husband was a DJ or is a DJ. Um, and we would go out and about and I would be like hanging out in a DJ booth. I was always a social girl. 
in Chicago. Let me say that. Um, older now, so I'm not out there at all. Life is different, but definitely socializing. I was on a party scene, always loved clothes, dressing, and just kind of being outside, you know? Um, and what people would gravitate to me, women would gravitate to me. My whole life, I just definitely would get people to talk. And I loved uh, sharing resources. So I had a volunteer group in 2014 called Team Turnup. That's when Turnup, Turnup, Turnup was like. Yes, we were all turning up back then. Yeah, that was the term that we were using. So Team Turnup, I had a volunteer group. We would go to different organizations. We would um, volunteer. One year we adopted 100 children from an organization called Angel Tree, which gives gifts mm -hmm. to kids. You're familiar with uh, who have incarcerated parents. I'm a recipient of Angel Tree gifts. My father is still serving prison time now. Um, he's wow. been, yeah, over 25 years um, he's been in prison. When I was younger, he did 10 years. So I would get people together to do things like that. We would party and all of that. Um, I remember one Christmas, my ex-husband bought me a laptop and he was like, you need to start a blog. Um, you should do something with all of this. And I always would want him to take my pictures. And he was like, I'm not taking these pictures unless you're doing something with them. I was in between mm -hmm. jobs and just another of my cousin, my favorite cousin, she was like, you need to figure out, do you want to do event planning? Like there's something more for you to do than corporate America. Um, I was an exec senior executive assistant for 15 years. So always serving people. I love the background. I love helping. And I felt like, um, okay, we'll do that. At the time, my social media handle was I'm used to winning. Real cocky, right? Um, okay. Everybody would know, like, I would see people, they're like, they're, you're, I'm used to winning. And I felt like my relationship was changing with God. I was on the brink of a divorce right when I was like, okay, I'm go going to do the blog. And God just gave me a new identity, which was totally tied. I launched the blog to truly be a place of resources for people, um, mainly women. So I used to have an area called my secret life of couponing. I still love couponing and deals. I would share different resources on. I would hate to hear curvy women say, I can't find jeans. And I'm like, girl, mm. let me tell you where you can find jeans. I would just share. I was a true blogger, not quite an OG blogger who started in the 2000s, but definitely um a blogger. I would blog about, I blogged about my divorce. I blogged about uh, ways for women to be confident. My blog, I had blog posts coming out like a well-oiled machine. Um, and then shortly after that, uh, Sundays with Todd, with Todd started. I got divorced and the top of, we were separated 2015, 2016, had not been married long. And I would go to church I was li living alone and on Sundays, the kids at church would take my pictures and the blog was going. I did not have a consistent flow. I was mm -hmm. consistent, but I didn't have a flow. I didn't have a rhythm. And I started hashtag Sundays with Ty. And every Sunday I would showcase what I was wearing. And I really started to lean into uh, moving, kind of moving the needle from more lifestyle to mm -hmm. faith and fashion content. And that. that's where it started. And people... So they they like they ran with it and i was mm -hmm. like oh still working full time mm -hmm. working in corporate america um <clears throat> excuse me i would literally do photo shoots on lunch with different bloggers i got to connect with and um in 2016 so i started the blog in 2015 2016 everything took off i got honored um as you mentioned by Sarah as a woman of empowerment 
what even is that? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, right. wait, this is a thing. I didn't really understand that I could make money blogging. I just mm -hmm. knew that I was full of resources, ideas, creativity, and I needed an outlet for it. That was the true reason I started. And it just started to go from there. And I got invited to do a commercial that same year. I flew to LA to work with a brand called Gwenny B where you can rent plus size clothes. And they flew me into LA to do a commercial. When they reached out to me, I thought, I'm like, is this like a YouTube commercial? Mm -hmm. You know, down the street, are we going to like, you know, Soho, how, how, and they were like, oh ma'am, you're thinking too small. <laughs> and they really just, they invited me to do this commercial. It was incredible. And I met with tons of influencers, bloggers, and people while we were on set and learned like so much, like, oh, there, this is a thing. Mm -hmm. And so I just leaned into it more, more and more and more. And that was the start. I could keep going because it all started there, but that right. was the true start. 2018, I got fired from my job and I haven't looked back. So that's, that's that. the that's the real of it. People like to tell this, these beautiful stories. Um, and sometimes it's true for people, you know, like mm -hmm. I quit and God gave me a sign. Let me tell you something. I was praying like, Lord, I hate this place. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this place. Get me up out of here. And uh, June 2018, I was fired. And at wow. that point, I was already doing speaking engagements. I had books out or workbooks out. I was blogging and doing the work and they were colliding like crazy. And God just gave me the, the side to go. I love that. Um, so much that, oh, so much. No, I'm sorry. I just threw it at you. That's good. Um, so you had mentioned something earlier and then we're going to pivot back, uh, okay. about you had said like how you got, um, I heard what, when you was talking, I was like, okay, wow. You turned pain into power. Um, when you're talking about, why you're involved with uh angel tree um yes. you know having your your father who was in uh in prison how was that for you coming up because i know uh, something like that can really have an effect on somebody so what was like that what was it like growing up and i'm sure a lot of our listeners uh have experienced that if not their parent uh a family member Oh my God. Yeah. So um, remember I mentioned being like a real blogger. I blogged mm -hmm. about this a lot and um, I might send you the old link if you're interested, but one of the, yeah. I think the title I will, I'll send it is of the blog post was my dad is still my hero. Mm -hmm. And for years I posted it on social media and I thought people are sick of this um, because I would just post that same blog post because I had never fully articulated me and my my our relationship it's so different for so many people and how people view people in prison my dad mm -hmm. and i are still pretty close to this day um he is extremely annoying um my father calls 24 7. no i love him but even though my father was not physically here for most of my life he has always been very present um mm -hmm. and i think that people don't always when you think of a parent or someone in prison, I don't think people see them as people yeah. or really um, members of society. And because they they are locked up, my father still has really been a pivotal part of my life. Um, even when I got married, my father did like a recording to give me away. Um, when oh. I got divorced, he sent some people to talk to do. <laughs> Again, my father is just, he was a big gangster disciple back in the day everyone knew him people still see me like you Bobby Joe's daughter I still get that just from growing up in the hood um in the inner city where I'm from so it is it has been a part of my life I didn't realize until 
sometime in like grade school, like, oh, this is this is different. My father mm-hmm. left when I was five. He came home when I was 15 and he was gone again by the time I was 20. Oh, wow. Yeah. But at, during those, he has never not been around. My oh, dad's wow. side of the family, we have always been close. Um, my granny, my dad's mom, always been close. So he has always been very present. Um, that's how with Angel Tree, I became involved as a little girl. He would call me like, Ty, what's what you want for Christmas? What's your Christmas list? Get it. Come on, man. Like he's always been very, very present. And he, um, although he has made some really poor choices and um, poor decisions, even at some point, he went from the big drug dealer to a drug user. Some people didn't even realize he was using because of his status in the hood. And a lot of times um, he comes from an era where people don't look at it as a, you know, like mm-hmm. everybody was doing a little heroin back then. Yeah. But, but you know, it got crazy. And um, yeah, so it, it, but he's still my, my father and we are still close. He, um, has been through so much with me. So like literally everything I've gone through in my life, um, he's been present. So it's 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 a, it's been a journey. It still is. He doesn't get out until 2025. You know, okay. so yeah. So we're we're at the tail end of this. Yes. I'm so I know you, are you happy? I am happy, I'm excited, and I'm nervous because mm. um at this big old age, closer to 40, as I'm closer to 40 now you start to become the parent and i don't know if, i'm sure someone watching and listening can relate where you're yeah. like you know how it goes you turn yeah you like telling your parents what to do like i'm like if you get out here and act a fool i got to go you know yeah, yeah, yeah. i no, i feel yeah. that i feel that um definitely where I'm, I'm in that age range now too where it's like i'm 36 so okay um where it's definitely like you start thinking about okay why are you doing like my dad would be like oh I just put in like a 14, 15 hour work day. And I'm like, why? What are you why? doing? Yeah. Like, go sit down somewhere, sir. Um, so I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Where in Chicago did you live? So I grew up on the South side, 79th street. I say okay. 79th because my mom's side is from like near 79th and Ashland. My dad's side is from near 79th and Vincennes. They're Simeon high school. Okay. So okay. growing up, I would easily be on a 79th street bus with my mom and we get off on one block, go see granny, go see my dad. So yeah, in that area. Did you ever Probably feel pressure? Right I'm Did sorry. Did you ever like feel any type of pressure to, um, you know, be out in the streets and like, how did you get out? How did you stay out of trouble if you stayed out of trouble? Yeah, that's a great question. Right. If I did. No, um, my mother was very strict. I oh. got beat growing up. I got really, <laughs> really, I was abused. Like my mother was definitely very hard on me um, mm-hmm. to the point where I was scared. I didn't want to get in trouble, okay. but I still found ways to do my thing, if that makes sense. So I definitely mm-hmm. had like boyfriends in high school. I was that girl. Um, okay. And I, my mother also raised me growing up to be very confident. So I have a very um, interesting dynamic with my mom because the it's like all of the things that are good I've got from her and all of the crazy trauma that I've, I've experienced is from her, <laughs> you know? I mean, of course my dad as well, but he wasn't here. So there's a different right. level of trauma, but my mom, she literally put in me to work hard, to be confident, to be proud of, it wasn't even like be proud of being brown skin, but it was just like, 
yo, you're beautiful. We're rocking. Like we are that period. Like my mother was that person, but I also got like whoopings if I lost a barrette. You know, so I'm definitely yes. A barrette. I come from that type of soil. Okay. Craziness. Okay. Because there was pressure to be responsible. You know, your father mm. isn't here. It's me and you. So there's a level of responsibility that you have to try to, you know, have. You have to be responsible. I mean, I have a little brother. My brother is crazy creative. Michael, you actually remind me of, you're closer to my age, but your whole vibe is my brother's vibe. Right, okay. we're ten years apart. He is so creative. His mind is is incredible. Um, but I helped. I had to raise him. I, I mm. you know, when he was born, I was ten. When he was five, I was fifteen. So I had to be right. responsible in caring for him and being there for him. So growing up, I didn't have a lot of time to get in trouble, and I was really afraid of my mom. You know, mm. I wasn't the best student, but I was always pretty social. Um, I started working very young. I would get on the red line and come downtown and always kept a job. And again, my mother taught me to be responsible. Take care of yourself. Take care of your brother. Take care of this house. Get, you know, it was very much. And my mother worked most of my life. When I graduated high school, um, she became an entrepreneur. She was already doing hair like in our kitchen growing up. Um, but once I graduated, my mother, I think, she so she's a full time hairstylist. She just opened her own salon. So love that. Again, a lot of the good things mm -hmm. <laughs> I believe about myself that I would like brag on or be really proud about. I really believe that they come from my mom. But of course, healing from some of those childhood tra childhood trauma has been a journey. It still is a journey. So yeah, yes, yeah, so I didn't get in a lot of crazy trouble. I did bust some windows one time. I was like maybe eighteen or nineteen. This girl hit my mom's car, and I got um. Me and my crew, my my god sister, which is crazy because she's like a whole CPS uh, principal teacher teacher now. And when we are like 18, 19, we got some bets and we bust this girl's window. And let me tell you how slow we were. It's a police station right where we were busting the windows near 79th and Hostet. The police come around. We try to run. Hey, we got like flip flops on. They're like, turn around. We go to jail. <laughs> Do you hear me? And when I tried to, I was going for a manager position. I was a manager for a period of time, um, an office manager, mm -hmm. and your senior executive assistant to a CFO. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this came up, this case. I was like, I was a baby. Right. Yeah. So it was so crazy. But, um, but yeah, that's like the most trouble I've been in. Girl. That's not bad at all. That's not bad at all. Um, yeah, I, I love so. that you shared that with like the duality of just like your mother, like the good and the bad. Yeah. Um, and then you able to see, like, see it for what it is. Um, as I've gotten older, that's something that I've noticed is like there was a time where I was like super, super critical about how my dad raised me, right? Yeah, but then I was like, at the end of the day, he's a person, and I think most people they don't realize that their parents are actual people. So like yes. the same trauma that we have, the same issues that we have, yep. the same life uh, disappointments that we have, our parents have those same issues. Yes. And a lot of the times they're literally just figuring it out as they go along, just like yes. all of us. So yeah. I think that's what's helped me in my relationship with my dad, especially over the past year, is just being able to, yes, be able to articulate like what you don't enjoy about them, but also yes. be able to extend grace to them as well. Yes, yes. And give them their flowers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. because I gave my mother hell in my early 20s. Yes. 
I'm like, you ruined my life. I'm, <laughs> yes. And yeah. And then I'm like, oh, you're human. Mm-hmm. You, you're you're human having you're having a very human experience trying to in navigating parenthood with a a father a man who's not physically present. Yeah. What pressure? What what does that pressure even look like? Yes. And raising a black girl in in the inner city. What does that look like? You know. So. Yeah, yeah. that's what I had to do with my pops because like my mom she passed away at fourteen. So okay. when I was fourteen. So. Okay. I'm so, sorry. Yeah, so him having to navigate from, hey, it's a two-parent household. I'm raising these kids, you know, with my wife to, oh, wow, it's just me now. And that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. So, like, in the moment, we don't see that. But, like, now it's like, okay, I get it. You, that's a lot. So, not that's only were you dealing with that, you were dealing with the grief. You were yes. grief. Um, uncertainty, like all of these things. And then you have this unruly boy in this house doing whatever he wants to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I okay, so this is a good combo. What we're going to do, y'all, we are going to take a break. And then when we come back off a of break, we are going to get back to the interview. You are listening to Convos for the Culture. We will be back after this. All right, welcome back. Welcome back to Convos for the Culture. I'm here with Todd Jones. We're having an amazing conversation. All right, so let's get into it, right? Let's um, do it. One thing that I'm, you know, one thing that you talked about earlier was like being transparent. I think that's a good thing about with our content creation as people who are out here doing this work. Um, I think transparency is really important because people feel like um, they need to connect with you, right? Yeah. And the more open, honest, transparent you are, the more people feel like they, oh my goodness, I see myself in them and I see where they're at and I know that I can do the same things, right? Um, yeah. So I first met you, um, we went to the same church, all right? Yeah. Um, and we all know growing up in church or, you know, growing up in church, being in church, black culture and church culture, they're yeah. intertwined so deeply. And we know there's a lot of... Um, judgment that happens in church yes um you had mentioned something earlier when you were talking uh prior to um when you were talking about you were talking about in your blogging and whatnot and to your audience you were talking about abstinence and everything prior to becoming pregnant with dylan correct yes um can you talk to me about that um was there any backlash from the church when you popped up and was like hey y'all i'm pregnant i'm having a baby (laughs) Um, because I know that type of thing, there could be backlash. Um, that's, I mean, I faced some of that same backlash last, last year when I was taking people on my journey with like, oh, I'm gay, but I still love Jesus and I'm a Christian, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, what was that backlash like? So interesting. I've been wanting to talk about this. Just haven't had the time to really, I know, look at God to really, um, figure out how I wanted to share my story of some sort, but I will say this to answer your question. Um, wait, okay. Sidebar. Do you know that real, that sound from the real or TikTok and the girl be like, Hey, Hey everybody. I'm yes. here. <laughs> That's how I felt <laughs> like, Hey, <laughs> yes. Hey everybody. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had been on some platforms in churches and talked about my journey to celibacy. That was mm-hmm. important to me to um, figuring out what that looked like for me. Being divorced, it just was an interesting journey. It was really, really scary too because it's something that I had not really, truly done for a long period of time. Um, yeah. And then here's the pandemic, right? And I meet someone, we move really fast, 
at both very grown ages, you know, meaning there's life experience, all of this. We get together, boom, I'm pregnant. We are, we're still together, <laughs> still a couple raising our son. Um, I did not get backlash from the church. Amen. I, I did not. God is so faithful. And I feel like God has, I have been through some, some things. Um, I share before and I've shared very publicly for people that are listening, they can look up the hashtag forever Farah. Um, I had my daughter in 2011 and she passed away and I had shared so much of that grief online in, in a public, very, very real public way. I've done work with Marcia Dimes to help honor her life with Northwestern hospital. And, um, I think a part of, so I want to share that because I know my story is different, right? And mm -hmm. I think a part of the joy that I received from my pregnancy is because so many people saw me grieve. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes some portion of the church who I had become friends with, and I don't want to say the church as a whole, but a lot of my friends or people who had followed me from a distance, they saw me talk about losing my daughter. And I was, a lot of people don't talk about, um, they talk about pregnancy loss. We hear that sometimes, but literally losing a child. She was born. She was one pound. I held her and she died. Mm. And I spoke about that and I would get stories and stories. I, I would talk about it on my blog a lot. Um, just that grieving process. So 10 years later, 2021, um, I had Farrah in 2011, wasn't married, got married in 2013, divorced early 2016. I'm single. I'm sharing my journey. I'm not talking about dating. I'm really focused on my relationship with Christ. During this time, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. So I'm speaking in tongues. I'm like, God, this journey is wild. And that happened in my living room, not even right. in an assembly. I'm just like reading my word, diving deeper, growing, learning about all of my gifts and what, how I was born and these things and really just growing and developing, but still single. Mm. Uh, I meet someone and this guy, his name is David. David is very serious about me. And we met through Instagram, right? So um, oh, wow. just, just add some little tea in there, you know? <laughs> and um, he, I tell him my relationship with God, share all of these things. And we do the do, we have the baby and I share my story, right? I didn't even have to say do to do. That was extra, but whatever. Do to do was extra. I love that. <laughs> that was extra, but I'm extra. So we, um, and everyone, I think, really was not focused on, oh my gosh, she's not married to, mm. ver I think people were like, I've seen Tat cry. I've seen her share her journey. I've seen her heal, go through a healing process, be delivered from deep grief because I know that I had got caught up in deep grief where the enemy likes to take us. And mm. I think a lot of people focused on that part and loved on me for that because it was very being pregnant after losing a child is extremely traumatic. And let me imagine. say this, it, it, it is so scary. It's so scary because I'm like, what you know, it's, it's it's you I thought about and I felt a little ounce of embarrassment literally for a moment, right? But then I'm like, I can't believe I'm pregnant. Mm. Because I, I'm I'm 38. So I'm like, can I get pregnant? What is this? Right. Like, you know, I haven't really checked, but during my, my marriage, there was no you know, I was married for right. a couple of years, nothing happened. So it was so many layers to my story. And I just feel like I would be remiss to not share all of that to make it yeah. seem so rosy, like no backlash. No, because there are layers right. that I shared. Um, and I even spoke to 
um our pastor well he's still my pastor <laughs> i don't know everybody's story but um, pastor, okay yeah so he, he listen love him he called <laughs> me and he got in touch with me through someone else that i'm close to and actually i can say their name i don't mind name name dropping the people but d wilford friend Hello. of mine and she got us on the phone and he was like what's going on can i pray for you mm. and so I'm that's, like, that's one thing i will say about him is although he may be like i don't think x y and z is a good idea for you this that and the other he is always supportive and he's always there when you when you really need him and he says listen i've heard i've heard 1000 times worse so his thing is as long as you're still in front of the face of the father and still you know praying and still in your word and all of that that's all that matters so that's one thing that i do respect about him a million percent i couldn't and people get in they uh, we hear a lot of stories i know i'm jumping a little bit but it mm -hmm. all ties in about big churches right and i want to mm -hmm. talk to my past and i've heard other people just being from old school church say that yeah. and um to have him support me in that way and cover me and not even he was he was like hey so where's where's david what's up with you know and i'm like hey mm -hmm. right who is here. this man <laughs> yeah exactly because he's like yeah. hey listen you're a daughter of the church like let's cover y'all let's pray um and i do not mention this but dylan was also born early so i, I have to ask you about that so i have to share that because again I, my story has so many it's multi-layered so i didn't give the church a lot of time to give me backlash because i had all these it was like hey i'm pregnant and i shared i think in november and i was sharing mm -hmm. my journey my son was not due until may mm. i had him in february so yeah. february 1st to be exact so he wow. was born i was 25 weeks pregnant a pregnancy is 40 weeks yeah. just to give context he was one pound at like fair okay so so what was that yeah. yeah so i know how was that like what were the emotions because it's like were you like oh my goodness not again um it was so crazy i was so scared um mm -hmm. it was definitely oh my goodness god where are you but mm -hmm. at the time of giving birth, um, contractions are crazy. Okay. Pain is crazy. Everyone can relate to pain, right? Some sort of pain. You know, you Not hit that your toe. I was about to say that. You hit your toe on the bed, you're like, ah, you know, or you, but I'm <laughs> talking right. about pain to the next level. So, mm -hmm. and, and, and I was, I was having contractions. I was in pain. So during the, that time of having him, I could, I just wanted to focus on just being present. Okay. Like literally my best friend who was there with me, she was just like, it's crazy how you were looking and feeling. I just needed to focus on being present i can't even say i had this supernatural faith like we're gonna be good i couldn't mm -hmm. even go there but i had no crazy fear i just was present okay. and when I, I i remember just thinking like i just need them to figure out what's going on with me mm. and lo and behold i was in full labor and had and gave birth early and my we spent 112 days so three and mm -hmm. a half months in the hospital with him and then, I watched that journey. Thank you. I sh yeah, I, and again, I shared it. I I went from blogging on my own.
platform totally tied down all the old blog posts are still live there to really micro blogging on instagram and on facebook and sharing that journey um i waited until i dylan was about six weeks old and we felt really comfortable and david and i locked in for that time and we we're at the hospital nonstop. I formed relationships with the nurses, the staff, the physical physical therapists, all of those people I really just grew close with. I was there almost every day. I did my own little maternity leave as an entrepreneur. I took on certain clients, but I did not take on many. And mm -hmm. I was doing my course at the time. I have an influencers course that I do. And I had two weeks left of that course. I finished that course out and I took my break. Literally the next day after having him, I had a class. I did it in the hospital room. Wow. None of my students knew that I had given birth. Um, my family thought I was crazy. I still had the IV in my arm. I had not laid eyes on my son since pushing him out. He was at the NICU, but they wanted to make sure that I was fine first. Wow. And I said, listen, will this IV be out by seven o'clock, y'all? Because I got a class to teach and my best friend who knows me, who has supported me, she is my rider. I'm talking about she packed my laptop in the back. She was like, if I know her, she going to need. And right. I was and I remember I'm typically pretty enthusiastic, whatever, extra fun, whatever. This is just me. I did not have the energy, but I was like, God, you gave me the content. I have this presentation ready. It is robust with information. Even if I deliver from a whisper, it's going to be good. I knew it. I, I, and from the, I did my course in the hospital room. They were like, how's the baby? And I'm like, the baby's good. They don't know the baby's outside of my body. <laughs> and wow. I did that. Two weeks later, I finished my course and went on a hiatus and focused on me and Dylan. And Dylan is now almost two mm. he is the most lit baby ever um and going back to what you mentioned about the church he was even we had his christening at all nations mm -hmm. um and david and i were there as an unmarried couple mm -hmm. and got the support of the church and they blessed dylan and prayed for him like never before I just I want that. to add that. Yeah. And of course, um, and I also want to add that I still believe that holiness is right. You know, let me say this. This is not the life that I wanted. This is right. not. I, I do. We do have aspiration to be married, um, okay. to do things the way that I feel are just right before God. That is still my goal. That is still right. my goal. Um, but I don't. I don't want to lean into this, but you know, let's go cliche. I'm not perfect and I don't have a perfect life, but I am mm. literally making the best of what I have right now. And I'm giving it to God. Sometimes we get in some stuff and we don't give it to God. We are not fully honest with God. I'm like, God, this is yours. I am scared. I am nervous. I am embarrassed. I am not fully proud. I'm not all of those things, but God, this is yours and allow me to just be used. Use me where you can. And of course, raising a son who has um some special needs he is doing incredible if you see him he's great he's almost two he isn't quite walking he isn't walking not quite walking see how i dressed that up he he's not walking yet okay. um just diagnosed with a case of mild cerebral palsy um okay. that affects his gross motor skills but he's going to walk and we are I, I want it to happen soon but he's going to walk his we have neurologists physical therapists occupational all the things you can think of but i am grateful that people lay eyes on him and you would not know that anything has happened that this boy was came out the wound at one pound that he spent so that he's had six blood transfusions before the age of three months wow. you wouldn't know
So, um, so yeah, I know my I'm long winded. I'm sorry. No, I you're got... good. This is good. I feel like <laughs> okay. it's gonna, um, I feel like it's gonna help people. Um, to somebody who's listening right now, a uh, young lady who might be listening, um, what do you say to people who might find themselves in a situation where, oh, this isn't how I expected my life to be, and they feel like that shame, they feel that condemnation, they feel like they're unworthy, they feel like now I have to shrink myself because I've been talking about X, Y, and Z, and I'm not quote unquote living that. Oh yeah, that's so true. That's so so such a good question because it's where I felt and sometimes still feel mm -hmm. that one thing I love and I'm grateful for. I just keep being reminded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. That's that good. God still loves me. That God still loves you. That that God's love runs that deep. It is not just for the people that are living right. That God's love, and I think what we don't often realize is how much love can just carry you. You know, mm -hmm. God is still, I remember last year, toward the end of the year, I shared how God has kept me. Nothing can keep me but God. Like the I I'm not I'm not emotional or anything right now. Okay. But um see so you tell a joke, you stop you from stop yourself from crying. Um, but but God just will his keeping power, you know, God is so good that even in what I would say my mess, God has shown up for me. When we I was praying for my son, God just showed me that I got you, that I will cover you, that I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. I am here. Even if you make your bed in hell, I, I I'm there with you. And I could feel the presence of the Lord just covering me and keeping me. And that's what I want people to know, that God will cover you, will keep you wherever you are. When you start to cry out and call out for God, he will literally show up for you in ways that you can never imagine, even when you don't feel like you're worthy. Because here's the joke, the trick, the, 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 the devil likes to put us in a trick bag that mm. somehow when we're doing right, we're worthy what you know we're still mm. filthy rags we're still mm. even when you feel like i got it together god is like girl bye you still got work to do right you still have so what what is this worthy thing this thing that i think for me that it's like oh i want to do the right thing and i feel like god is also just giving me helping me to see that um there's so much more to live for Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's mm -hmm. so much more to live for. So much more. Um, we we go from glory to glory. Literally, there's so much more to see. And God is still showing out. So I think um, that is just so important to that we realize that God is still in the blessing business, as they say. But literally, so much more to see him do. I'm still... I ha still have miracles that I know God has that that heaven has seen. I'm waiting to see it on earth. You know mm -hmm. that I, there are still miracles that I'm praying for. Um, so I just feel like that has helped me to find peace in the journey of imperfection, finding mm -hmm. peace in the journey of healing. You know, mm -hmm. finding peace in the journey of not living my fairy tale. What I thought mm -hmm. I post. I'm talking, and I'm not even talking about fairy tale as a little girl. Because let's be real. It's grown women. We have these fresh fairy tales, baby. You know, right. Instagram will sell you a fairy tale. Social media or other people's lives or comparison. We have, when I say fresh, I'm talking about people come up with ideas how they want their life at 30 and they're 32. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So post my divorce, I was like, oh, this is what my life's going to look like. And it didn't. And here I am still giving God the glory and God still covering me, covering my business 
provision, my finances, my health. I could have died having my mm. son, covering my son, covering my man. I'm talking about covering us and just helping us to see see God in a new way. I love that. that. Sense. Yeah. So if we oh, just rest that. in it, rest in him and he will, I just feel like he will, will give us what we need. If that makes mm. sense, you know, that makes perfect healing, sense. all of that. I'm done. That makes perfect sense. Uh, one thing I always say is there are no, per there are no perfect people, but God is always perfecting people. And I Ooh, think that good, if God. we hold on to that, we'll see ourselves a little bit differently because I think a lot of times, um, and it's, and then that, that spills over into how we show up if we're, you know, content creators, influencers, business owners, because if you don't feel worthy just as a person and your humanity, then when you show up, you're not going to even show up on your, you know, for yourself. You're not going to post the content. You're not yeah. going to, you know, do reels. You're not going to go live because you already yeah. have disqualified yourself from life in general. Mm. That's good. So let's go. Let's switch back to content, right? We didn't take them to church. So let's switch back to life. That okay. content, all of that, but I think it all goes together because you need that confidence in your own being before you can bring that confidence to social media. Yeah, um, we're in this space now where video is king, right? Video yeah. is king, especially with reels, TikToks, YouTube shorts. Um, what has that been like for you where you were, you know, doing lots, lots of pictures and the carousels yeah. with a bunch of pictures to now, oh my God, I got to do these videos. Like how, how's that shift been for you? Oh, good question. So interestingly enough, um, I still believe in pictures and I mm -hmm. felt like, and I've been reading these, the trend that Instagram is going to get back to making pictures popular again. You know, um, okay. I, I know I, I started out with photos. It's still my bread and butter. Mm -hmm. Um, but I like a challenge. I don't mind a challenge and I don't mind. Um, I'm not one to like complain. I can't explain it. I, because of everything I've had, I've gone through in my life. When it's time to pivot, I pivot. You know, mm. we spend so much time talking about the pivot, hating the yeah. pivot, struggling with the pivot, tussling with the pivot. My dude, pivot. Like, we do mm -hmm. a video? Cool. What what I got to do? Where are we right. going? Where's the camera? Okay, so I know my strengths. I, I'm... I'm I, I'm aware of my weaknesses. I'm not like a voiceover girl. I'm not the girl that's going to play the sound and do the voice. That just don't work for me. So I just had to find my thing. Okay. You know what I mean? You don't do like the lip syncs. I don't do the lip syncs. I said voiceovers. I messed that up. You know what I meant. The lips. Yeah. I like voiceovers. I do like yes. voiceovers. I don't do lip syncs. That's what I'm okay. talking about. It isn't, I'm just not that person. I'm just, mm -hmm. I like my voice too much to try to. Ooh, <laughs> I love that. And I'm not knocking that. anyone. I wish I could, but I'm a little. But I love my own voice. So I like my voice. So I use my right. voice. I do voiceovers. Yeah. I find creative ways to share. I'm an OG Instagrammer. I don't know if you are. When I first started, it was only for iPhones. 2011, I was on Instagram. Before it was DMs, I was on Instagram. And I was, when it was just pictures. when it was just pictures. No direct messaging, no video, no carousel, no, you just pictures and comments. When people would go to an old, old picture and leave their phone number or leave their website and then try, that's the OG Instagram. I'm, I, so I remember wanting to see Instagram 
move forward. I wanted video. I remember when the videos were 15 seconds and I was like, yes, I can hear clips of me speaking or talking or sharing. So it has been a journey um, after having my son, who again, who's almost two, I'm trying to get back in a groove, if you will. It's like figuring out what that groove looks like as a mom who's really, really busy. I am still, um, I feel like I have put in so much work on social media over the years that God has blessed me now where my business is, um, I'm like reaping the benefits of what was sown years ago. I'm getting Mm -hmm. clients that were like, I followed you in 2018 and I was going hard in the paint 2016. So now I feel like my, the behind the scenes of my business is doing what it's doing. It's doing okay. It's doing pretty well. I can always use more clients and business, but it's doing its thing. And I'm grateful because I put in so much work before. So now I'm just kind of going with the groove, having some fun with it, helping some people along the way um, with my course and that kind of stuff. And I have my style clients. I have clients on retainer. All of that good stuff literally helps me not to have to to, uh, obsess over content. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Something that you just said stuck out in my mind and it reminded me of, you said like people would come to you now and be like, oh, I've been following you since 2018. Um, and it reminded me of this message that I saw uh, from Pastor Mike Jr. Uh, last, a couple of weeks ago. And he had said, so he said, who here? Um, so yeah, he said, and for the people who are watching or whatnot, I'll go ahead and I'll add the clip later on, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, just check out my Instagram. But he has said, how many of you guys who who came here today to church on empty, right? Who came here on E? Lady Racing saying he said, Come here. He gave her a hundred dollar bill. I was like, Oof, I came on E too. Oh <laughs> right. So then he said, Is there another person who uh came here on E? And then she raised her hand and he had brought her up and he was like, Here, he just gave her five dollars. Wow. Yeah, the first girl a hundred dollars. He just gave her five dollars. And then she went to walk away. He said, Oh, come back. He's like here's five more. And then she sent her on her way. And then he said, wait, 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 come back. Here's 10 more. And he continued to do that with her. And he said at the end, he, she still got a hundred dollars. And he's like, that's what's wrong with comparison. Because a lot of times we see what God's doing for somebody else right in the moment, not knowing that he's doing the same thing for us, but he's taking us through a journey in a process. So my question for you yes. is for that person who's listening, the person who's maybe watching this on YouTube, who's like, because I'm not going to lie. I'm going to keep it 100. I'm, I'm that person sometimes. I'll be like, yo, what's happening? I've been consistent since this year. Mm-hmm. I'm so consistent. Nobody is out here working harder than me with their yeah. content. Nobody's pushing out content as much as me. Nobody's creative as me. Nobody's um, helping the people. Like, I know my work ethic, but then sometimes the finances don't match up. Yeah. Um, the followers don't match up. Yeah. The recognition doesn't uh match up. What would you say to that person who's listening, who's watching, who feels like their work is in vain? Oh my goodness. Um, oh, this is so good. I have so much to say. Okay. <laughs> I, I I think mm, I want to be nice. Okay. I don't think I think it's important that we find value in our own work, right? And know that the work is not in vain. But it's also important that we see that we are moving in the right direction. Mm. I don't want to say our work is in vain. I'm trying to figure out how to say this because sometimes no one wants to tell you that, not you, because you're top tier, sir. 
But there are times that it's not working. Mm -hmm. It's not, I think it's important. And what I even tell people that I work with as um, kind of helping them strategize their content um, and figure out like, listen, if no one's really biting, switch it up. Yeah. And it's not that it isn't good. It's just not getting them to bite. So mm-hmm. we, I think it's important that we see, I tell, give yourself 90 days and see what happens. If we are not pushing the needle forward, switch it, switch that baby up. Yes. It doesn't mean it isn't good, but you may need to put out some other content to get people to bite. Right. And then go back to that other stuff that you were putting out. And now that we got some, some more people biting, then we see, okay, now that I have your attention, let me show you this, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, you know? And I think it's just for me, and granted, I am, I've been doing this a long time. I think the focus for me is not virability or follower. Mm. Or, and I think I would love to see people move from that because the numbers are just numbers and it's all type of spam accounts. We've seen even with the, with Twitter being um, bought out. Mm. The question was like, how many real accounts is it, right? Mm -hmm. So we can rely on those numbers and look at them. But I think it's so important that we really focus on community. And I know we hear this and we talk about tribes. But when I talk about community, I look at who's buying from me. Mm -hmm. Who is in my DMs? Who's watching my stories? What was I saying? So I just think it's, oh, community. I think that is the focus. We, I want people to know, to figure out how do you build your community? That mm-hmm. if, even if one person told me, I don't have any followers. I looked, she had 952 followers. I heard some guy say, like, can 952 people fit in your living room? Hello? You know, that and if 952 people bought something from you, would you have money if you had something, you know, something for five bucks? Could that, what, what does that look like? And mm-hmm. so I think right now the pivot from the, it, 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 yes, it is, it matters who's the most creative because we want to see high quality content. That is what we want to see. Right. But give the people what they want. You know, I look at your content, Micah, and I'm like, this man is so creative. You give us what we want. You get you have celebrities and well-known people biting because it's so good. You know, so when you have those weeks or days when the numbers are down, you have to remember, like, yo, somebody just bit that content last week Mm -hmm. and do it really well. And let that encourage you, because, again, my my advice is the 90 day rule so if it's in 30 days you have some stuff go ham i mean that we can still eat off that i'm Mm -hmm. still eating off content from two years ago Mm -hmm. you know i had i went to cvs pharmacy the other day had my son i'm in some yeezys and a trench coat looking crack just easy right that's my day to day this right. girl hollered out the window ig nephew facebook nephew what's up i'm like what's your name sister she's <laughs> like girl i follow you she's talking to my baby the girl ain't even say hi to me and i'm only and i'm saying that to say i'm eating and living off the content from two three years ago even if mm. this new stuff don't bite like that and some people like it some people don't it don't whatever i, I went viral seven years ago and I'm still eating off that. So I'm just, I'm, I want people to know that build your community, build your tribe. And if your people are biting and they like it, if you got 952 people and you got 5% engaging with you, mm-hmm. that's where you want to go. And I have a website I can share. It's called flat P H L A N X. I think it's called, I'll send it to you, but it, this is okay. how you can check your engagement rate. 
Okay. So we don't guess. We don't have to guess. You know, I love yeah. them. I, I love check your engagement rate. Even if you're getting five, seven percent, most celebrities get like two percent. Let's Talk be about clear. That. Yeah. So even I, your I, Kim Kardashians. I talk about that in my course. Even the Kims, Kylie is high at a 5% engagement rate. You know, we can see that on the website I'm sharing. So I just think it's so important that we build that community, get our people. We want our tribe to bite. Even if I get 100 likes on a post, right? But if I know that 30 of those people I can style or they went to click my link, my affiliate link, they're showing the companies that I work with that I bought that because Todd was in it. You thought you y'all, my job is done. Mm -hmm. I have a woman that found some jeans that she can fit that she didn't even know about that she's shopping a site, and I have the brand that's happy over here, and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm my I'm serving the people. So I just I know again I'm long winded, but no, you good, you good. <laughs> I think perspective. Yeah. Um, one thing I pulled from that is definitely it's all about perspective. Um, one thing that I've seen, like you had mentioned, so even with some of my content, it'll be like, I had one post um, probably a month or two ago, and it was talking about like um, 10 underrated black uh, sitcoms, right? And I put a lot of work in it, a lot of work in the post, and it only got like 50 likes, and I was irritated, right? I was like, what? Yeah. And sometimes it's not us. Sometimes it literally is the algorithm, right? It's the algorithm. Um, so I was just really irritated, and then next thing I know, or one of the TV shows that I had mentioned it was um, Hanging with Mr. Cooper. And then Mark Curry, who played Mr. Cooper, commented on it and shared it, and we had a little dialogue back and forth. Um, Boy. So it's like, you may not, so it's not all, all about having all of the eyes, but having the right eyes. Um, the person who I had on last week, uh, DJ Mike Q, uh, he was on HBO's Legendary, and he was also um, featured on Beyonce's Renaissance album. Yeah, I, I got connected that. with him because of a post that I had made. So it's all about being able to be in front of the right eyes. And then on, when man. you talked about community, that is so, 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 so important. And we also have to remember that sometimes, and this is just to encourage somebody listening, sometimes um, there's people who's watching us. There's people who's listening to us. They, they might not tell us they're watching. They may not tell us they're listening. Um, I had a young man who I, he had attended one of my courses, um, like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. Um, and then he disappeared off of social media for a while to deal with some stuff with his own, you know, with life. Cause I do believe in taking a break if you need to. Yeah. Um, and when I was raising money for season two, like I have talked about at the beginning of this, um, I said, hey, we need 10, 100, uh, 200 people to donate $10. He donated $100 twice. And I was just like, wow, that's a lot. Like, what's going on? And he was like, you have no idea how much that you helped me in this past season. Just I wasn't on social media, but watching you, seeing your content, and then you just pouring into me. So we never know who's watching. We never know who's yes. listening. We never know the lives that we're impacting. I had a young man ask me uh, to help him start. He's like 17. He's like, yo, I listen to your podcast every week. Uh, I want to start a podcast because of you. So it's, you know, we may not get thousands upon thousands of likes and all of that. But if you're showing up to make a difference, I do believe that when your time to be platform comes, God will do that for you because you've been, uh, as they say, not to be churchy, you've been faithful with the few. Come on. And sometimes being churchy is the right direction to go. <laughs> I Listen. Yeah, that is so, so true. I love that. I love that's why I want to um, say this for people that are listening. And I know you know this. 
But I think this is why it's so important that we engage with content. People don't, I see people um, that have stopped me on the street or even at church or different places. Um, and they say things in there. I'm like, comment on my last post so I can know it's you. Tell me your name. Let me, yeah. I think it's so, even when I see your content, if, as long as the algorithm is not being a hater, but let's, I'm engaging. I have, I'm talking, I'm double liking. People have to get out of the, I just taught this in my course last week of go, the, the idea that they ghost and post that you want Instagram to serve you, but you don't want to serve the platform or you want Ooh. TikTok to work for you, but you don't want to. So even if you are not a heavy poster, the a like or two goes a very long way. And mm -hmm. people, I remember back, back, back in the day, people, well, I'm not saying like oh, back in the day, but in the beginning, uh, social media don't pay my bills. It's so funny because the folks that used to say that and I'd be quiet. I'm, I'm a blogger. Now people are saying like, oh, it pays bills. Yeah. It does pay bills. Yes. It does pay bills. And I think it's just so important. If you are listening, no matter what the followers you have or whoever, even if they are not influencers, content creators, if your auntie posts something and you like it, comment. Right. If your grandma, if your your favorite influencer, people scroll, ghost and post and scroll all day long without engaging because we have the power. I believe it. I could be wrong, but I do believe that we have the power to really switch, make the algorithm work in our favor. If, mm. we can, if I can get my community to like my stuff, the more people like it, the more the, the, they're, they're, you're telling the algorithm, we want to see more of this. Mm -hmm. More people should see this. If you get so many likes in so many minutes, it, the algorithm must turn in your favor. And Agreed. and so I think um, I think that's one thing. And and yeah, that's it. I just want people to really engage. I am a huge believer. I, I be under your post. Yes, I love it. I just, I'm going to engage. If I like it, I'm talking. Mm -hmm. That's me. Yeah. And I carve out time every day to engage, specifically to engage. Also, people, especially Instagram, especially, they give you so many places that you can engage. You can engage on the posts, uh, reels, stories. stories you have yep. the notes now. The notes, here's the, yes. y'all, these notes are so easy to engage with people. Yes. Just go through quick engagements, even just reactions. Like all of that matters because then what happens is when you go back to your timeline, to your feed, and you've, you know, had those conversations, especially in the DMs, y'all. DMs is where the magic happens. Uh, when you're on their feed, you're yes. like, oh, I was just in DMs. Now I see like her last two posts. And yes. the same way it happens for you, for them, is going to happen for you as well. Yes. Yes. I love it. Couldn't agree with you more. This is so juicy. Yeah. This is good. This is good. We're giving them a gem. So where can people find you? Um, and then what, uh, what do you have going on right now that people can tap into? Oh my goodness. So, okay. My website is I am totally .com, And that is all things totally tied. Um, I have my, um, I have a book out called living the lit life. It is a workbook for girls i we used to say for teenage girls but really for okay. girls and women who love the journey of self-discovery the book has been out for a few years i have that on the website i also have an influencer course um i was really just toying with not bringing it back but i think i might bring it back later this year um it's called becoming an influencer with Todd, where we touch on these things that mike what we're talking about right now content uh community 
monetizing and I share the websites that I've worked with in the agencies and the portals to get influencer deals where I've been able to sign up and really make some money and take care of myself. Um, Definitely bring but, that back because um, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm trying to tap into my influencer bag this year more and start oh. uh, get some deals and some brand deals and whatnot. Okay, let's do that. Um, yeah, of course, if you come on, it's on me. It's complimentary. So I would love to oh, have wow. you. Um, the first, I will say this, I touch on some of the stuff we're talking about, mindset and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, But I've had influencers, big influencers take my course and just they're like, the first class was such a refresher, but now I realize mm -hmm. I don't touch this platform. I need to go back to signing mm -hmm. up here. So I talk about all of that and just ways to make money, ways to monetize, not being afraid to make an impact while being influential. I think we have to Ooh. marry the two. You know, people are like, I want to make impact. I want to be impactful and serve. Right. But then you're, you, you want to also make a living, right? So how can you marry the two? So I um, touch on that. And um, yeah, and Instagram, my Instagram, my social media is totally top three. My power platforms are Facebook and Instagram. I'm having some fun with TikTok. I think TikTok will be the most uncurated content I've put out in years. I do not want to curate content. I want to have fun with TikTok. Um, these other webs, uh, Instagram, Facebook, those I work there. That is where I put in work for content. I'm, um, and I curate what I put out or whatnot. Um, okay. I think that's it. I have some things that I'll be doing this year where I'm hosting some galas here in Chicago. Um, I'll be on some panels, but I'll be sharing okay. all of that on totally tied three on Instagram. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this thank has been you. a great conversation. Make sure you all go follow Todd and uh, we will be back after this break and we'll just give a final word. Once again, thank you for. Thank uh, you. Oh, one more break. thing. I forgot to yes. mention. Micah. I'm sorry. I forgot to mention the bread and butter of my business. Okay. <laughs> I'm crazy. Um, but I am a stylist. I'm a wardrobe yes. stylist. Um, and that is also on I am totally tight. I am totally tight .com. But I style people from headshots, uh, photo shoes, uh, client closet cleanouts, um, girls night where I love styling people, but I also love teaching style. So that mm -hmm. is where I um, do a lot of business. I have clients on retainer, people that just want to make sure that their wardrobe is up to date every single month. So that is something that I still do. I don't advertise as much because it is booming. God has blessed that part of my business. Love that. But I am welcoming more clients to um, to style. So if you're looking for a stylist in need of a wardrobe stylist, someone to help you feel really confident in your clothes, I'm your girl. Okay, I'm done with my commercial. And Thank do you, you do virtual as well? Oh, absolutely. I have clients all over the country. Not okay, the world. Cool. Well, I do have an international client, just one. But, but um, yeah, I have clients everywhere. Yes, absolutely. Because y'all, some of y'all need her, so make sure that you go. And, <laughs> and I have my out. full portfolio listed so people know that this is not a game or a hobby for me. This is my business. That is a huge part of my business. I pour into my clients like never before. I pray for I my that. clients and we, I style them with love and consideration for their bodies. We love to see it. Thank Ladies you, and gentlemen. Todd Jones, we will be back after the break.